Welcome to Prepare to Care, the AARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. Good afternoon. I'm Eddie Orham, your host for this podcast. It's that time of the year again. Time for W-2s and yes, taxes. Everyone is familiar with the process. We do taxes every year. But what if you're a caregiver? Are there specific deductions to take? What can we write off and what about the people we care for? Do they also do taxes? It's a lot to think about, but don't worry. We have called on someone who may be able to help us out. On this edition of our Prepare to Care podcast, we welcome Bart Hatfield. Bart is the AARP Tax Aid Volunteer Regional Coordinator. He'll tell us about the free tax preparation program and offer some tax tips. Coming up on Prepare to Care. First of all, Bart, what is the AARP Tax Aid Program and who qualifies for the service? Well, it's a program jointly sponsored by AARP Foundation and IRS. And we provide free filing services uh, for anyone who is within the scope of our knowledge. Uh, we are tested by the uh, IRS. We have to pass certification tests. Uh, we have a very high quality rating. We were audited last year and 98 point, uh, over 98% of our uh, returns were perfectly accurate. Excellent. Uh, we also provide uh, a question and answer service so that if someone just needs to have a question answered, we'll do that as well. Uh, but most of our folks come in, uh, we do their return, uh, discuss it with them, and then we e-file it for them automatically. And last year we, we did 1.6 million, roughly, uh, federal returns for people. Thank you, Bart. And are you located here in Houston? Yes, we, uh, in the greater Houston area, we have over 60 locations. Um, most of the, our locations are at libraries or senior centers. And how would I find you if I needed to uh, take advantage? There is a link. It's rather long. The easiest way is to go to AARP.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page where it says Tax Aid, click on that, and it takes you right to the link. And all you do is enter your zip code, and you can find out what's nearest you. Super. Well, Bart, we have a lot of caregivers online. What options are available for our caregivers? There are several. Uh, but the first thing a person ought to do to understand what options are available is to figure out who are their dependents and what is their filing status because that is key in determining what credits and adjustments a person qualifies for. And often for a person who's providing care for a person, uh, they can end up being their dependent. Uh, and one of the things that is confusing about dependency is the gross income test. And you, you have to have a gross income that is low, but people don't know what gross income means. It means taxable income. And for a lot of our seniors who just have Social Security as their only income, uh, that is generally non-taxable. And so therefore, they do not fail the gross income test. And so they can become your dependent uh, as long as you're supporting them and taking care of them. So if I have someone who is um, a care receiver, and they only receive Social Security, then are we saying that person does not need to file their taxes? That is correct, unless there's a very rare exception. The rare exception is if they're married filing separately and they did not spend one night with their spouse during the year. So if they are still married and they did file together, what options do we have with them? 
Okay. Most of the options that I'm going to talk about are for the caregiver and not okay. the care receiver. Okay. Uh, the caregiver, the first one is called the other dependents credit, and that's worth five hundred dollars uh, off their taxes. And a credit is better than a deduction because you get a hundred percent of that off your taxes. And generally, that's for any dependent that's not eligible for the child tax credit. Uh, so that's any any person over sixteen. Um, who's your dependent, will receive this credit. There are some rare exceptions, like if they live in Mexico or Canada and not in your house, but generally that credit's available to everybody. Okay, super. Bart, is there anything new out this year? Um, most of the things that are new uh, came about in the last minutes of Congress. Uh, they passed an ominous spending bill, and embedded in that were some tax changes. Most of those changes really don't apply to caregivers, except for the medical uh, deduction floor. Uh, you'll see in a lot of written documentation that the first 10% of medical expenses do not count towards your deduction. But at the last minute, the uh, Congress changed it to back to 7.5, which it historically was for seniors. And so a lot of your documentation, of course, was written uh, in preparation for the tax season well before the end of the year. So you need to be careful and make sure you use the 7.5%, not the 10%. Oh, thank you, Bart. Uh, let's let's kind of switch conversations now and talk about tax scams. What kind of tax scams should caregivers be looking out for? And what should we look out for and what can we do about it? First thing to realize is that the IRS never calls anybody on the telephone. And most of the tax scams have been on the telephone. So if you get a telephone call from somebody claiming to be the IRS, or like one I got where they said the police were on the way to, to uh, capture me for not paying taxes, uh, you'll know it's a scam. The IRS really only deals with people through uh, the U.S. mail and post office system. And I have heard of those. Um, in fact, my mother received one, um, and they knew her grandson's name. And they said that he was in trouble, and they said that his girlfriend called her, and she needs to send some money to get him out of jail. And my mother called me because, to her knowledge, my son was not dating anyone. And I said, Mother, just hang up. Don't worry about that. So it, it happens a lot. Um, Let me tell you about another tax okay, scam. Okay, great. Uh, another tax scam is somebody stealing your identity. And that has been a historical problem that uh, Houston, unfortunately, was one of the leaders in the country in that. But uh, the IRS has done a much better job of catching that now. And so you have to beware of giving somebody your social security number because that's the number that's used in your taxes. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we encourage people to do is to file even if they're not required to file so they can get their number in the system and block anybody else from using it. Uh, because the IRS is a first-in, first-served type of service. So the first person to submit a return with a social security number uh, gets in the system. Wow. And if, you're, if that happens to you, they'll provide you a pen, and then you can use that in future years to protect your return. If I'm a caregiver, how would I know if someone has stolen my identity? What, what are the signs? The signs are that when you file your tax return electronically, you get a reject, and the reject says you've already filed. Okay. So then you know that you've got a problem. And you have to go to the local IRS office and show some proof of your identity and so forth to get it straightened out. And should I call the police or anything, or just just make sure the IRS has the correct number? I would just go to the IRS okay. and, and make sure and get your refund coming heading towards you. 
What is the main tax scam that we should be concerned about? Is it other than the IRS and our taxes? What else should we be worried about? I think those are the main two. Okay. Okay. Well, Bart, is there anything else you, you'd care to tell us? Yeah, I would think we would talk about the uh, ch- credit for child and dependent care. Uh, when you first look at that, it says child, but it also covers those folks who are unable to take care of themselves, which may be an elderly person living with you. And if they are your dependent, you can take advantage of this credit uh, if you are making earned income. And this credit was originally put in so that people could take care of their uh, children and other disabled folks while still being employed and get a credit for it. And this credit is a uh, what's called a non-refundable credit. It means it won't drive your tax below zero, uh, but uh, it can be used to pay for caregivers uh, for uh, your cared one. So caregivers, we're hearing that there are some tax options for you. Uh, Bart, we appreciate you being here. Um, did I miss anything? Did I miss any questions that you want to answer again? No, I think the most important thing is getting the dependency and the filing status right because it makes you eligible for these credits and it also uh, lowers your tax rate. Uh, so one of the things that I think is very important is that dependencies usually can't be get read off the computer. You've got to use logic to do that. And it can be somewhat complex. Most cases, it's simple enough for you to figure it out yourself. But if you live in a complex family situation, feel free to come visit us, and we'll be happy to help you in any one of our locations. And how would you describe a complex family situation? Uh, Okay, a complex family situation is often when you have uh, the parents not being the biological parents of the child. Uh, The parents are not married. Uh, There's a divorce situation uh, where the child is... uh, shuttling between the two parents, you know, those type of situations to figure out who the dependent is and who qualifies for these credits uh, can be a complicated situation, and we can help you with that. So let's say you have um, a nephew providing care for the aunt, and there are two adopted children who are part of the family. Is that a complication? Yes, it can be. And what would you advise a caregiver who is a niece or nephew to do in that case? To come visit the ARP Tax right. Foundation that's, site. That's one of those complicated situations, <laughs> yes. very complex. Um, now, Bart, if you are doing our taxes and, and we want to take advantage of that service, and I am an elder uh, fitting the income requirements, what should I bring when I first come to meet with you okay. to get tax help? Okay, one of the first things I want to say is we do not have income requirements. Okay. Just have to be in scope. Our service is geared mainly for low-income and elderly folks, but we will do anybody who is within scope. Uh, First of all, we need to bring a Social Security card for everybody who's on the return. Uh, Often, uh, people have complex names, maybe three or four different names, uh, and they may use a different combination in their everyday purpose than they do on their Social Security card. And you have to have an exact match with what's on the Social Security card when you e-file. You also should bring identification, a driver's license or or a facsimile thereof. That's done so we make sure that we're preparing the tax return for the right person, that there's no identity theft here. And then you bring all of your documents that reflect your income, 
and your receipts that reflect your expenses. Uh, also, if you have it, bringing last year's return is a good idea because a lot of our clients have very similar tax returns from year to year, and that way we can check to see if they brought everything. We've often had cases where somebody comes and they've left out one document, uh, and we can show them that by looking at the last year's return and showing them what document they're missing. So in summary, we, we really need to bring our driver's license or a state ID, is that correct? Making sure that we can verify that our name on our Social Security or tax records are the same. And it's very helpful to also bring last year's income tax return just to make sure that what was reported then and which items or documents that we had then, we know we should also have those documents at this time around. Bart, you've been very helpful to us. Okay, let um, me add one more thing there. Certainly, please. Uh, if you want a refund uh, direct deposited to your uh, bank account, you need to bring uh, the routing number and account number, preferably on a check, if you're putting it in your checking account or if you're putting it in a savings account. And what some people don't realize is that sometimes the deposit slips don't have the right routing number on it. Wow. Okay. So we would much prefer to see a check because we'd like to see the money on your refund go to the right person. Thank you, Bart. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard from Bart Hatfield. He is the AARP Tax Aid Volunteer Regional Coordinator. Bart, thank you for joining us. As always, if you thought this podcast was helpful, or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast. You may find us either at iTunes, SoundCloud, or at www.aarp.org slash Houston PTC. And take our Prepare to Care podcast survey to help us to improve future episodes or find other caregiving planning and local resources to help you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for caring.